Welcome to WebRush, the weekly talk show that brings you stories of real-world development from industry experts and developers like you and me. Each week, Ward Bell, Dan Walleen, Craig Shoemaker, and John Papa find out what it takes to write, deploy, and maintain apps that stand up to the demands of the real world. And now, here are your hosts. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to WebRush. This is episode 128, Building Apps with React and NX with Jack Sue. Dan, how are you doing today? I am doing great. It is, I say, I think I say this a lot on here. It is sunny outside, but you know what? In Phoenix, that's pretty normal. Right. So. <laughs> kind of the same for, <laughs> for uh, Central Florida or wherever it is that I live. Uh, it's not, doesn't tend to get cold very often. Yeah, I actually got to go out and eat breakfast outside, which is phenomenal to do. So, oh, that's cool. Love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's go ahead and hop right into it. Uh, today, we're joined by Jack Sue, who is a developer manager and JavaScript architect at Narwhal and the NX Core contributor. He's been doing web development for over 20 years and has been using React since 2014. He especially enjoys working on tooling and help make development more enjoyable and more efficient. Jack, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. We're excited because monorepos are a big thing, and I know we're going to talk about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of things you can talk about for monorepos, for sure. <laughs> so specifically, when talking about NX, there might be some people who aren't familiar with its functionality and capability and all that. Can you kind of give us an intro on NX? Yeah, so I think if you uh, have been using NX for a while, you probably know it as a monorepo tool. We... um it is still a model repo tool, but we've since uh, pivot to make it more of a generic tool for development. So basically, if you're working especially on a larger team in a larger company, uh, you're probably working with m- many developers in the model repo. So Annex basically helps you uh, work more efficiently. So it provides things like caching, um, effective calculation, understands your project graph uh, when you have your projects inside Annex. And we also provide a lot of different things. If you're used to the Angular CLI, you might already know some of these concepts. But for those who are not familiar, uh, we provide things like generators and executors. So generators are basically uh, scaffolding support. So you can run a generator to create a new component, create a new app, create a new library. And executors are just a generic way to uh, run something, like a task for your applications or your projects. Uh, so NX comes with all that out of the box. And we also have made it extensible. So if you need something that's not supported out of the core NX tool, then we also provide very easy extension points. And we have documentation for writing NX plugins. So there are already some uh, community-based plugins that uh, have been at a point again. <laughs> there are some community-based plugins that have uh, some excitement within the community, and we have a pretty active Slack community as well. That's awesome. Uh, we've had actually, you know, a couple, I think one of them was on micro front ends, and uh, I think in one of those we talked about monorepos, and so before we go into mm-hmm. NX a little more, even though I know we have had some shows on it, what are some of the, you know, if somebody's listening right now and saying, hey, that sounds great, Jack, but I don't even know what a monorepo is. <laughs> What would, what would be some of the benefits there? I mean, you already mentioned one. You can have multiple people working at the same time, but 
What's your uh, take on that side? Yeah, so I think when you talk on monorepos, you, you have two ways of looking at it. One is from uh, more of a, I guess, organization point of view. So you have multiple people working on multiple apps that may share the same libraries, right? So traditionally in a multi-repos uh, situation, you have to deal with things like versioning, how to make sure things are in sync. And within the monorepo, you're trying to move at the same speed. So if someone's making a change to a library, and it has some kind of breaking change that's not backwards compatible. You want to know that up front. And with a model repo, you can do that. In a multi-repo uh, scenario, it's, it's harder to detect that because when you're the library author and you make a change, you do not know that something's breaking until that application tries to pull in a new version. Then uh, in the best case scenario, they're running unit tests and something breaks. In the worst case scenario, they ship something to production and then realize something gets broken. So those are the kind of things that you can avoid in a monorepo uh, setup. So that's that's one thing. The other thing is if you look at open source tools like Jest, like Babel, you'll notice they're also a monorepo. And the goal in here is a little bit different because all the libraries, all the packages inside these monorepos are very related. So they have to be moving at the same uh, speed. You can't have uh, one of the packages doing something that's incompatible with another package. So a model repo basically, again, force you to be in sync all the time. And this is like the tip of the iceberg here. That's one of the main benefits is that uh, you can detect changes and uh, failures a lot earlier in the development cycle. So I gave an example of um, what we call like a one version policy. So you never want to support multiple versions of the same packages. You want everything to move at the same time. And that just removes a lot of uh, complexity when you're developing and when you're deploying applications. So that's... Uh, one of the things that we sell, we try to sell people on is this one version policy. And uh, the other benefit, we can go on, but I'll, I'll, I'll name one more. So the other benefit is when you have set up your CI, right? So you're using GitLab or GitHub or whatever, Jenkins. Uh, typically, those things take a while to set up correctly, right? So the benefit of using a model repo is once you have tooling set up uh, and your pipeline's all running, then any additional projects don't require any additional setup time, right? because everything's, everything's already wired up properly. You just add a new project, and then you create a MR or like a PR, merge request or a pull request to your monorepo. And then that should just run through the CI correctly, even though you're adding a new project. So those are the two main benefits, one version policy and the ease of maintaining your pipeline. I am in the throes of somebody who's going the other way. They had a monorepo and they, uh, went the other way. And uh, I have to say that it's chaos, but I think it's probably um, chaos going whenever you make a giant switch, either from one direction to another and you have existing assets. Uh, I, I wish I could tell you that the motivation um, came from uh, something that I would recognize as a fault in mono repos. They just had, you know, they had too much in the repo. They never cleaned the history up. They had too many years in there and it became, I, I, I guess that they thought it was too difficult and that somehow multi-repo was going to save them. But uh, I, I, when you do that, now you got a new set of tooling channels for, for trying to cope with so many moving parts, particularly during the CI system. now, I don't think monorepo is uh, a walk in the park without the right tooling, but then I guess that's why we're talking to you, Jay. 
Yeah, so uh, one thing that I want to get out of the way is you can use NX even if you're not using a monorepo. And we can get it more into that uh, if we want to, or we should actually. But basically, even though we say monorepos are great, you don't have to use a monorepo in the traditional sense. Uh, you can still benefit from NX. There, there are quite a few features that are built in that you can still take advantage of, even though you are using multi-repo setup. And uh, I think when it comes to monorepo versus multi-repo, um, there isn't like a clear winner, although in our world we prefer monorepos, uh, which is shouldn't be surprising. There are some legit arguments against monorepos, um, I, I think those are usually not, it doesn't actually hold up in a practical sense, but uh, things like if, you're, if your history is really big, uh, cloning a repo might take a long time. So you have to make sure in, inside your CI pipeline, you set it up to be as fast as possible. But there could be some slowness compared to like a bunch of uh, multi-repo pipelines. So John, one of the things I like about AG Grid, which is a, a data grid, component for the kind of complex uh, grid scenarios that we encounter all the time in enterprise apps. One of the things I really like about it is that it works for a variety of frameworks, Angular, React, Vue, or, or just vanilla JS. Does that ring a bell for you? No, it really does. There's all these different companies that I work with where they have no choice but to use a lot of these different tools because they have different teams working on them. So being able to port their code or share that code and that technical investment they have is really important to them. Yeah, well, it's important to us, uh, ideally, and we're a consulting company. And, uh, you know, we never know what our client's going to want to use, Angular, React, Vue, but they're all going to need a grid. And it's great to be able to reach for uh, the one grid that works everywhere, AG Grid. You know, at, at any size company, too, because you could have these teams that maybe they only use one framework, but eventually they're going to switch to another one and be able to take that investment again and use it, reuse it is really nice. So if a multi-framework, data grid makes sense to you, please go check out AG Grid at ag-grid.com. So what would be one of the most compelling features of NX for someone who's not using a monorepo? Yeah, so I'll talk in terms of the React community. Um, so with that React community, there isn't a very mature set of like CLI tools, right? So someone who's coming out and they want to build a React app, they probably read the docs and they use a CRA, which is create React app. And that's fine. Once they create the, their application, it sets up everything for you and encapsulates all the build stuff, right? But as soon as you want to customize it, you want to create a new test, you want to create a new component, then you're left with, okay, what do I do next? And I think that's where CRA kind of, I wouldn't say fail, but... Uh, it doesn't, the scope of CRA doesn't extend beyond creating the app and providing those build tools. So with NX and React, when you create a workspace, uh, we provide a bunch of different generators. So if you want to create one or more apps, you can just run one command and uh, you no longer have to think about like, okay, what's my file structure? Where should I create a component? Uh, copy and paste a bunch of just uh, configs. Uh, you just run one command, and then you get your whole application set up, including E2E tests if you opt into it. Uh, if you want to create new components, we also have support for that. If you do use Redux, uh, and Redux is not as optional, but if you do use Redux, we also provide ways you can create slices. So your uh, reducers, selectors, actions, everything is one command. 
and it will install correctly inside your application. Even if you haven't added Redux to your application, we're smart enough to know uh, where your application is and install the proper for providers, set up the stores, import the slice, and then do all that for you. So just one simple command. So I think a CLI is a really big benefit coming from uh, the React world where there is a lack of CLI tools. So if I'm going to do this, uh, now that you've described some of what it can do and you know, especially how in the React community can help with that, what, can you walk us through just really quick what would be the general process? Because you know, obviously we're kind of used to a Yarn type install or an NPM install, but what's the general process to just get me off the ground with yeah. Nginx? So uh, I'll talk about two cases. So the first case is you don't have a workspace, you don't have a project yet, so you're creating a new one. And we have a create NX workspace, which is uh, you can run like MPX or you can do Yarn create NX workspace or NPM. I forget if, if it's NPM create or something, something equivalent to Yarn create. Uh, so you can run one of those and they all do the same thing. They ask uh, what kind of preset do you want? So you can choose React or Next.js even. And you can choose what kind of styling solution you want. Are you using CSS modules or are you using something like style components or emotion? And once you answer, I think there are maybe three or four prompts. It just runs through, installs all your packages, uh, creates all your directory structure. So you don't have to do anything. After that, you can go ahead, uh, open up your workspace and your editor, and then just go nuts, start developing. So that's the first case where you don't have a workspace. The second case is, it depends, right? That's uh, what I like to say. But let's say you're starting with a CRA uh, workspace. We have a tool called CRA2NX. Uh, so you can do MPX CRA2NX within your existing CRA setup. And that will convert your entire thing to NX. So you can run that command and it takes maybe a few minutes. Um, and then that's it. Then you can just start using NX right away. Uh, there is also a more advanced uh, migration guide on nx.dev, which goes over uh, some of the more nuanced scenarios where you may have a very custom setup. And those are usually a little bit trickier to set up. Uh, but there are ways to do do it if you uh, work on it a little bit. Uh, yeah, so going back, thanks first off for walking us through that, Jack. Because, yeah, I'm kind of used to coming from the you know Create React app um, get my initial project going. Uh, I use the GitHub CLI. So then I'll do a GitHub, what is it? Repo create or something like that. And that'll create it in GitHub. But will, does NX also help with, you mentioned earlier, GitLab or GitHub or whatever. Once you're set up, are there other things it's going to do remotely or is it just working locally on, on my machine when I yeah, so some of the NX commands? There is one thing we do remotely, which is uh, there's another product and it's an opt-in thing called NX Cloud. And what that's going to do is every time you run tasks, so it could be like a build task, uh, test, or anything like E2E, it will capture information about your task and how it goes, and even any outputs, any artifacts are generated by that task. And that goes into a cache locally. But if you choose to enable NX Cloud, it will also send that uh, information to the cloud, and you can see a detailed view of your run and everything. So you can do this locally and also in CI. We have a link there. And if you so happen to use GitHub, we do have a GitHub action that I can use, uh, 
we even started on a few repos. And basically, uh, instead of having to go through your CI system like Circle, um, Travis, or Jenkins, you can see these pr uh, helpful links inside the GitHub issue or Git GitHub PR. And those links will actually link to the NX run itself. So you can, down you can see all the different outputs, whether something failed or not. And you don't have to jump through the hoops going digging through. Boy, the that's a huge more. thing to have because uh, we're dealing with a project right now where somehow somebody, when they created the PR, an extra file snuck in that's not even from us. And we're not even sure how it got in there. And it's causing the build to break. And I suspect Craig will know all about this, actually, because it's relating to <laughs> a build process there. But anyway, uh, so yeah, having that like insight into what's going on, what's the status. That's like such a huge deal, especially when you have, I would guess in a monorepo, because you know, you could be building a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. And for folks who are checking out NX for the first time, when you run MPX create NX workspace, the very last prompt that it asks you is if you want to enable NX cloud integration. And if you say yes, and it's off by default, so we don't force anyone to go in by default. But if you say yes, it'll uh, I forget how many steps. I think it gives you a link. You have to click on it to set up your NS Cloud uh, workspace. And then you're good to go, basically. So there's very little thing you have to do. And you get a lot of benefit out of it. The NS Cloud team um, is a separate team from the, the core NX team. So we don't really have overlapping members, but we do submit PRs to each other when we notice, like, hey, uh, this thing will be awesome to have in the cloud. Or... This would be really awesome if you have this in NX so we can show something or do something with it, with an NX cloud platform. And I was just going to say, and, and the cloud product is a product, right? That's associated with some cost. Right. So we do allow open source projects to use it for free. Um, I can't remember if there are any restrictions on it. I'm not actually part of the NX cloud team, so I can't say for sure. But there are uh, projects like NGRX, for example, is using it, and we don't charge for that. And there might be a few others as well. But if you're like an organization, and obviously uh, you have to pay, uh, right now the pricing is, I think it's a dollar for every hour saved, something like that. Yep. I'm yeah. on it now. I love it. It has Splash, which is your free one, Swim, which is the pay-per-use, and Dive, which is like big enterprises. And I'm going, how much more fun is that than the normal <laughs> right. way where you have your free premium? If you scroll to the right, Dan, you'll find the Drown option. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't want to speak too much for the team because obviously, I, like I said, I'm not on that team per se, but uh, the pricing thing is something they've been looking at and exploring different options because there are some enterprise clients and they actually use something called private cloud. Uh, and that's like for big enterprises who have secure requirements, perhaps, and they don't want to actually use the public cloud. They need to host something themselves behind like firewalls and stuff. So there's that option as well. But I, I, I would say for most projects that are open source, it's either free or it should be fairly um, cheap to use in this cloud. Um, Jack, now th th this proposition, this NX proposition, it really kicks in when you're dealing with an organization of a certain size. Like if I'm just a schmo, which I am, uh, doing my own, you know, sort of, Hello world uh, project. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't think that I would need this. Um, but there comes a time 
And there's some kind of symptom set when you say, I got to get there. So what I'm hoping that you might be able to tell us is how do I recognize the symptoms that tell me I need uh, Annex for my React app? And then what is it going to look like for me to get from where I am, which is usually a mess I've created, um, to being um, having you know sanity restored in Annex? Yeah, so I think right now I would say projects of any size, so even small projects, and you may only have one application in there. I would still use Annex just because there are a lot of things that comes with it. Uh, so like I mentioned, if you create a new workspace, you get an app, you get Cypress if you opt into it, you get Jest set up. Um, there's also Storybook if you want to use that as well. So there's just a lot of things that you get for free. But in terms of like when you absolutely need to use Annex, I think that's when you're working on a project with multiple teams. Or at least there's one team that's kind of big, let's say like 10 plus, and this is just arbitrary, but let's say there are 10 developers on the team and they're all making changes every day. So every day you're getting like dozens of pull requests open and merge and whatever. Uh, you don't want to have that team do quote unquote the wrong thing. And by the wrong thing, it could be a different number of things. It could be things like, I created a module for myself and someone is using it, even though I never explicitly told them it's okay to use. But inside like a monolithic application, that's what happens a lot of times is I find something that looks useful, but maybe the abstraction is not the best. It, it actually isn't what I should be using, but because it's available, now I will import it and use it. And now I'm forcing that person to support my use case because like if they go and change it because it's quote unquote their private library, now I'm forcing them to support my case, which I shouldn't have done in the first place. So NX uh, basically allows you to do certain things. And one thing it does is it enforces module boundaries. So you can create like a wall around your module and say, these ones are only available for me. And you do that by using a tagging system. So you can say, this one is scoped to Jack, for example. And the other library is scoped to Ward. And Ward cannot import Jack stuff. And vice versa, right? So in that case, you just create these really strong module boundaries and you avoid a lot of problems that I see in a lot of monolithic application, which is, uh, we call it like the big hairy ball or like big ball. Right. So, so you, it's as if I were, cre- you you know, I for my module, I create a kind of, well, I create a surface for you, Jack, in your module to consume me, my stuff. Uh, and in that sense, it feels like the difference between a public uh, uh, API and, you know, your internal implementation. But it's really within the walls of our organization so that your team and my team can operate cooperatively, um, but without crushing each other. Is that kind of the idea? Exactly. So I can still see everything you're doing. I can see all your pull requests, exactly. all the changes. It's not like I'm hiding from you or you're hiding from me, but you right. can't go in there and say, you know... I don't like the way your API is, so I or I need this other feature, so I'm just going to throw it in there. Or I, the way that behaves, I think it should really behave differently. So, Jack, mm-hmm. I'm going in there, and you know, hey, if your app turns blue because my app needs to be blue, that's tough, right? You know, that's that's the kind of stuff that starts to go on when you have an organization. So, the NX module boundary is a ESLint or TSLint uh, rule actually works really well with code owner. So if you use GitHub or GitLab, 
you can create this code owners file and say like these directories belong to this team or this person. So even though I can see your code, if I do need to make a change to it, let's say you're you uh, I want to expose a private helper as a public API to use. I cannot just do that because now if Ward is part of the code owners of that module, he has to review it. So I can't just change stuff ad hoc and then no one knows what's going on. And a year from now, all of a sudden, we have no idea what's going on in the application anymore because it just got so messy, right? Got it. Yeah. Uh, that's just the kind of... And, and so, so this gets back to something interesting because usually we think, oh, it's because Craig did something wrong. Um, uh, you know, it it isn't actually that any one of us had to have done anything wrong. It's bad enough if Craig does it one way, Jack does it in an, another way, and I do it my way. Uh, that's, um, and all three of them could be perfectly good ways to do something. We don't have to criticize each other. Uh, we just have to acknowledge that as we are trying to work together, um, we have to pick away and kind of stick to it. And I think it seems to me that NX is supportive of that philosophy as well. I mean, that's part of the mono, uh, mono repo choice, which you said is optional, but pretty much encouraged, right? Yeah, so uh, a lot of the problems, like you mentioned, are human problems. They're not necessarily technical, but I think using a tool like NX can help you enforce certain things to reduce the number of problems that might come up due to human errors or uh, to some miscommunication in some cases. Well, and, and that's such a huge thing. I, going back to what you were saying, Ward, and what you just kind of echoed, Jack, I think the number one times I can think of or the best scenarios I can think of team-wise that I've been on over the last like 20 years or so, every time we had a very uh, consistent, I guess you could say, process. And when, uh, for instance, a new team member came on or a contractor, we would actually take some time to explain that process and automate, of course, you know, as much as we could because, um, I'll tell you what, once you're on those teams, because I have the flip side of that, which I sounds like Ward, you deal with plenty too. And Craig and Jack, I know you have too, where you don't have that consistency. And it's kind of a, you know, it's almost like, ah, we're just going to use FTP. And oh, by the way, we're just going to copy the files manually. And because um, I've been on plenty of those too over the years. And I always kind of compare it to, you have like a rickety old sailboat that barely gets you across the sea Compared to NX, which you're talking about, that's like hopping on a cruise ship almost, and they're even going to wine and dine you as you go across the sea, you know. And I think that's kind of the difference. Yeah, Craig's yeah. the Julie on our our love boat, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so I, I I know or my encounters with NX have mostly been from from Angular, uh, where a value point is I've got an application that I kind of build, and it's got this a lot of sort of stuff that might go in the so-called core module and the share module. And then there are these things that, uh, you know, and now it's time for me to kind of branch out, maybe build a separate app. So I want to turn them into a library. I want to turn certain things into a library, but I don't want to go all the way and, and, you know, do NPM package and all that stuff. I mean, I want that, I want that option to be out there. But maybe that's a little heavyweight. I want a lightweight mechanism that gives me a kind of a, a library idea. And uh, that's one of the impulses that I felt for using NX with Angular. Is there 
a comparable dynamic for React projects and a comparable challenge because for, for in the Angular world, it was kind of a challenge to sort of structure your code in, a, in, in, it's evolve your code. And let's, let's not pretend, for example, that we all know what the structure, perfect structure is going to be from the day we start. And we just, you know, it's just our fault for not having made libraries in the first place. It doesn't work like that. What happens is you, you look at what you've done and you suddenly realize, Hey, this thing I needed really other people could need to, I need to make a library out of that. Is that something that the react um, consumers of NX would feel? And does react offer them sauce for that? Yeah, so I think coming from the React world, uh, pretty much everyone's familiar with Lerna, which is another model repo tool. And in that system, what you would do is create these. They're basically NPM packages, but you don't have to publish them, right? You can say they're private. And in this system, basically what will happen is you have to tell Lerna, I want to build what's changed. So pretend you're on the branch. You make some changes to the library or you extract the library from a application. Then you have to tell Lerna, like, build everything that's changed. And then basically your applications will consume the built uh, or the distributed package. So you, you're not actually reading from source or importing from source. And this is different from NX. So the fundamental difference between Lerna and NX when it comes to uh, libraries is that we don't require you to build them. So we have this notion of buildable libraries within NX, but by default, you don't have to turn it on because for the most part, you're probably not going to be publishing them to either NPM or some kind of private registry. They're only going to be used within the workspace. So when we import them in NX, we actually allow you to import from the source using path mappings. And this has two benefits. One is when you make a change to your application uh, and your library, they get hot loaded or they get reloaded as you're changing the code. Uh, whereas in Lerna, what you have to do is rebuild the libraries and then reload the app, right? Because you're consuming them from the no modules folder. So that's one big difference. The other difference is when you're building, you're only building your app. You no longer have to build all the dependent libraries um, or all the dependency libraries. You just build your app. And because we're reading from source, it's a single command, it's a lot easier. Uh, that being said, a more advanced topic is how to consume buildable libraries and how NX leverages caching to make that even that operation a little bit cheaper than if you're just using plain Lerna. So I guess to answer your question, um, yes, in the React world, there are the same problem where you need to share libraries. So the question is, how do you share them? Do you create a new uh, package, publish it somewhere to be installed, or do you just run one command in NX and you can consume it right away with no other changes? But I can get there if, when I'm ready to package it and now you were saying something about how I can, so can I cut down my build time somehow by doing what you were describing as an advanced step? Is that where that's going? Yeah, I think for the most part, it's quicker to build everything in one step using Webpack, which is what we use underneath the hood, than to build like dozens of libraries, maybe in parallel or serially. Um, that, I, I think there's an asterisk there though. There are some projects that are big enough where you do benefit from pre-building some of these uh, shared libraries, especially if they don't change a lot, right? But in general, if you're not sure, it's always faster or almost always faster to build uh, the library with the app itself, not separately. Are you building a web application? 
need to deliver it soon and don't have the people to do it? Maybe you're not sure your company has the skill set or experience to do it. And maybe we can help. I'm your host, Ward Bell, and my day job is building applications for companies like yours. I don't do it alone. I'm president of IdeaBlade, a consultancy that specializes in enterprise web application development. We're particularly strong in Angular, RxJS, NGRX Redux on the front end, and .NET Microsoft technologies on the server. We're a small, tight-knit group of people handpicked by me for their expertise, experience, integrity, and team spirit. Maybe we can help you with architectural guidance and hands-on development. And if there's something we don't know, and in our field, really, there's too much to know, we can draw on our personal connections in the Microsoft RD, MVP, and Google GDE networks, as well as our international circle of really great developers, people we know and trust personally. If you've got a project that's keeping you up at night, shoot us an email at info at ideablade.com. That's info at ideablade.com. And now back to the show. So we've talked about a lot of kind of existing functionality, but I know there's some new features that you've added in as far as the developer experience as well, right? Yeah. So one thing, if you're coming from Angular side, is you're used to using schematics and builders inside the dev kits of the Angular dev kit. And they're very powerful tools. But we found, like based on our feedback, people usually get kind of confused on how to author them. So in our latest version of NX, we actually provided our own dev kit. So Narwhal dev kit. And it's a simplified version. So the API service is a little bit smaller. And you're just writing plain either functions or async functions or async generator, depending on how much power you need. So you're building on top of just existing JavaScript primitives instead of having to go through a very specialized API. Right? So you're basically writing less code in a simpler manner. So that's something that we just launched with a new NX version. So if you haven't seen it before, definitely do check it out. NX.dev has uh, the documentation for it. And the documentation is still coming. Like we're, We know we're still lacking a bit because it's such a new tool, uh, the, the new dev kit, I mean. So uh, in the next few weeks, next few months, we'll definitely be writing more tutorials, more guides on it. And this is especially cool if you're using workspace generators. So those who are not familiar, uh, basically, if you don't like our generators, or if you like our generators with some modification, you can write your own within your workspace that either does its own thing or leverages our existing generators. And in the past, you have to learn RxJS and all these other things. Now you don't need to know any of that. You just need to know JavaScript and some of the basic uh primitives that we provide within the dev kit. So in theory, Jack, can I extend based on these generators? Could I use this for literally any type of monorepo with any language then, or am I still limited to more JavaScript type, you know, repos? Yeah, that, that's actually a good question. So we don't limit it to JavaScript or TypeScript. And in fact, you can, we do use it for Kotlin, which is uh, on the JVM ourselves. Um, I think the support there isn't as great. So you, you'll get most of the benefit. The one thing you won't get is uh, a proper dependency graph. And what I mean by that is because we don't parse through Java sources or Python or anything, mm, we know what right. files exist, but we don't know what they do. So that's the end of like what we handle. You can do it yourself if you want to extend it. And we do know some people who have extended it for Golang. And our goal and 
NX12 or maybe a little bit later is to make those primitives a lot easier to extend. So you can hook into something in the JVM without having uh, us support it in the core. How are you finding um, reaching out to the React community? Uh, the heritage of Narwhal is Angular, and these communities um, uh, do talk to each other and kind of look at each other, but but uh, uh, there's something more to it in in terms of how um, how you then go beyond a sort of a friendly handshake and and go into a fond embrace. So, so how is Narwhal, uh, Narwhal uh, tackling that and not being pinned into the Angular corner? Yeah, so unfortunately, I think most people still know us as the Angular devs or the Angular company. And we've been pivoting away from that. And we, we do actually see some overlap. So a few of the NX users actually use both in the modern repo. So they have a React app and they also have an Angular app. Uh, for the React community, I think there's been a lot more traction. We've been talking to people in the community, even working with some folks at Vercel to see if we can create a better deployment story for uh, Next.js plus NX plus Vercel. So I think we're, we're doing a lot of great things. And if people haven't uh, checked out NX, definitely do check it out. I'm not saying you have to use it, but I think once you do try out a few things, watch some tutorials, you might be convinced to, uh, to use it for your real projects. Honestly, seems to be what I've seen, Jack. Um, I've recently seen more and more people talking about it. And I'll have to admit, I've only kind of taken it to what I'd call the prototype stage, you know. Um, so I haven't used it on a real project. But I am seeing just in the general social media buzz that a lot of people really like that structure it gives you and the kind of you know ease of use you provide there, too. So that's nice to hear. So I was just going to say, we, we do see a pretty big uptick in the last few months. Uh, especially on the Next.js vertical. So lots of people installing that plugin. And I actually do talk to a few companies that use NX uh, plus Next.js inside their production application. So that's very exciting for us to see these cases come up. So you, you mentioned Vercel. I have to ask, have you tried integrating with uh, Azure Static Web Apps yet? <laughs> I'm not an Azure expert. And from what I can tell, it's it might be a little bit complicated. But our old pipeline that we use internally for uh, Narwhal is in Azure. So there is some support. I just don't know exactly what it looks like. Okay. Yeah, it's all GitHub powered. So, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Craig might know a thing or two about that. <laughs> Azure Static Web Apps. <laughs> He's your guy. <laughs> yeah. Is there a learning path or a community path that people should know about um, that sort of targets the React community? I know during the pandemic, we can't have these conferences like we used to have. And so uh, just reaching your audience these days is its own challenge uh, and also sort of inviting new people in. So so what are the pathways? Yeah. So I think two things uh, you can check out. So one is the free NX Plus React course on Egghead. IO. So that's done by Yuri, who's another Narwhal dev. Uh, that's a really great resource, especially considering it's free. The other resource you could use is nxplaybook.com. And that one is a paid course. Uh, but for some of our clients, we, we do offer discounts on, on this if they want it. Uh, so those are the two resources I would check out. Um, we do have our Narwhal channel on YouTube. So I think there are some videos on there as well. Um, and a lot of them are like these getting started kind of videos. And obviously, nx.dev, uh, the documentation. We have a tutorial in there that you can follow. 
Cool, Jack. Well, thanks for a ton of great information. If people want to know more information about you specifically, where would they be able to to find that? Uh, The easiest is on Twitter. So um, Twitter handle J underscore Sue. They'll be in the link somewhere. Yes. I do have a blog, but I haven't blogged in years. Uh, Me too. (laughs) I haven't written a blog post in a decade, it feels like. (laughs) So J-A-Y-S-O-O dot C-A is a blog. And I think the last post was 2018 or 2017. I used to write a bunch of React stuff, but some of them are still pretty good. You do everything on opinion. TikTok now, right? You dance your coding sessions. That's I don't what have I'm TikTok, doing. actually. I don't no, have No, I'm going to, from now on, I am, everything, I'm going to do an interpretive dance of all of my technical stuff. And, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that word. I, I lock, you know. I'm, you know. Pop and lock. I love it. Pop and lock, baby. <laughs> yeah. JavaScript in the house. <laughs> Actually, that's not TikTok. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either. (laughs) Nobody does. Uh, That's Arnold doing TikTok, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) California TikTok. Okay, so with that, uh, I don't know if that's your final thought, Ward, but what would you leave our dear listeners with for your final thought? Well, that could all be just the after effects of my second COVID shot. But I'm feeling pretty good. I'm vaccinated, (laughs) all y'all. Look out. That's my thought. We're going to be able to see you in those uh, awesome outfits once again real soon. Yep. I'll be hurting your eyes, not your body. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Dan? Uh, You know, I'm going to go on the theme that we talked with Jack a little bit earlier, and that is, um, you know, I'm always coming up with these things that I question the status quo, I guess, like on my team or your team or whatever. And that would be how consistent is your process on your team for things like we just talked about for your repo creation, uh, management of it, deployment, the CICD. And, you know, I think for some folks, they're going to be, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And I, I, I guarantee there's some folks that are like, wow, you know, it's a, it's a house of cards and it can blow down at any time. So, uh, I guess I would challenge folks to, uh, sit back and kind of question if my team left and a new team came in, how easy would it be to keep operations running? You know, and I think for a lot of us, uh, probably a scary story there, but I'm sure somebody has a good story. So anyway, that's what I would say is uh, be consistent. So I want to build on yours um, and say that, you know, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about and working with documentation and, and when it comes to, either open source projects or processes that we have internally, you know, taking time and building either the right guidance, whether it's a video or a quick reference or a how-to or whatever, so that you can pass those things off to people to be used in concert with those engineering systems is, is something that's pretty, pretty valuable. Um, and, you know, just like even Jack mentioned, like he has this new product, they know they need more docs. Maybe if you have time, you want to, contribute to their docs, that might be awesome. But all of that thinking holistically about being able to bring people together, I think is a, is time well spent. What about you, Jack? Uh, I don't have too much more to add. I think uh, people definitely need to be more mindful about the code they're generating. Because I think, I like to say it's easy to write code, but uh, debugging is always a hard part once you've written the code and you have bugs. <laughs> so I, I think 
e either use NX or any other tool that you want. Uh, just make sure uh, you're not writing so fast that uh, you don't really know what you're doing. Be mindful of what you're doing. Collaborate your teammates. Um, that's it. Yeah. Just be mindful. Well, Jack, I've, I've been dying to know what's when you're coding, what's your favorite beverage? What's your, what's your beverage of choice? I think people uh, in the audience really want to know um, how, you know, what should I be drinking when I'm coding in NX? I'm pretty boring. I just drink coffee or uh, sometimes sparkling water. That'll That's work. My, That'll work. <laughs> yeah, but my coffee is, uh, I guess, more fancy if you want Ooh, to go that way. Oh, oh really? <laughs> Do I tried many, many, many different uh, ways to brew coffee, including vacuum. Uh, wow. I forgot, si siphon brewer or whatever they're called. It's like this contraption that uh, uses suction power to suck down the coffee. Uh, but I, I actually prefer the simple method. So just a simple pour over, get good beans, get a good grinder, then you're good to go. Well, that's our NX tip of the day. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jack, for joining us. And this has been uh, another episode of WebRush. <laughs> <laughs>